in Texas was out from an ice storm. And so that got our production a little bit behind. So what we are going to air today is my favorite episode with my very best friend, Tom Shadiak. It was the first episode from this podcast. And because it was the first episode, it doesn't have near as many downloads as my recent episodes. And I don't want this episode missed because Tom is, he's the best man to walk the planet, y'all. He really is. And the first 15 minutes of this episode, or like first 10, are me telling you about how wonderful he is. I, (laughs) because I wanted it to be really heard and digestible, I say it a little slow, I'm noticing, listening back. So feel free on uh, your listening device, you can, on the bottom left, you can hit 1.25 or 1.5 to speed up my voice. If my slow delivery in my just absolute awe and love for this man is just way too hard for you to listen to because of, of how slow it is. When he gets on and we start the interview, it's no longer slow. So then you could put it back on the regular listening speed if you'd like. I tend to listen to everything on 1.1 to 1.5 because that's just how my brain <laughs> digests things. But yeah, I wanted to offer you that little tool. And uh, yeah. I'm, I'm so excited to, I know this episode is, a, is over a year old, but I feel listening to it today, it, it, it woke up a lot of gratitude in me, especially for this transition that I'm in now. And I'm so excited to share it with you. So here it is. Enjoy. So when I was 23, I wanted to be a part of something big. I wanted to be a part of healing the world, of helping children. I came across a DVD titled Invisible Children. It was a little burnt DVD and Invisible Children was written with a Sharpie marker. And I thought it was some sort of like rock band or something. And so I popped it into the computer at the church that I was at. I was about 21 at the time. And for that next hour or so, I sat there unmovable and in tears. It was about the child soldiers in Uganda that were being forced to fight in a war after being kidnapped by a man named Joseph Kony and his army. For one of the first times, it hit me that there were children out there in desperate need far greater than I had ever imagined. It hit me that my trauma from my own childhood was nothing compared to what was going on there. And I had to be a part of helping stop it. I had to somehow raise money and awareness for them. I wanted to meet them and to love them in person. I started contacting people at that church, you know, the higher ups, because it was a mega church and there were over 14,000 people at every single service. So I knew that if just every person gave $1, that would make such a big difference. No one at that church would let me set up a booth or a fundraiser at all. I was told to focus on the kingdom of God and building that instead, which is, you know, adding numbers to that church. This experience forever changed my life. It was in that moment that I realized that I wasn't actually doing God's work. I was just trying to build this church, but I wanted to take care of the orphans and the widows. I realized that my life wasn't actually speaking or that it it didn't have the meaning that I thought that it did. This experience 
is what had me start to branch away from that church. And a few months later, I left altogether. I was tired of being told that I couldn't do the things that were on my heart to do or that felt big for me because it would take away from building the kingdom of God. I was tired of being in that bubble. And I knew a loveless church is never going to change the world or a church that is just a church on Sundays. I knew that it's what we do in between those Sundays. It's what we do in the world. It's the love that we give. It's helping those orphans and widows that really mattered and that that was what was God's work. And this isn't a talk, like a talk down about that church, not meaning to talk down to them, because I truly believe that they felt a passion for their mission. And that very mission is what took me off the streets as a teenager. They rescued me. So there's this conflicted feeling I have there. And I love all of those people in that part of my story. However, when I watched this DVD, I knew that I was supposed to be a part of this specific mission. That burnt copy of that DVD changed my life forever because I started going to their fundraisers, holding fundraisers myself and raising enough to build schools, having coffee with the creators of that nonprofit organization. And I one time told one of them, that I wanted to go to Uganda myself, but that I didn't feel like I could just, you know, get on a plane and go. And one of the guys looked at me and said, that's what I did. And that day I booked a ticket to Uganda. That experience changed my life forever. It was pretty much all the money that I had. And it was a never be the same type of experience. I came home, I tattooed Uganda on my foot but something that also changed even more is that a few years later, around age 23 or 24, because this passion continued in me, I went to the White House with a bunch of other volunteers from the nonprofit to petition to have Joseph Coney arrested for war crimes and for kidnapping those children. We wanted to get America to listen. And at that event in D.C., a man named Tom Shadiak gave a speech that I'll never forget. I'll never forget his passion and how much he radiated love and how extreme his message felt. I felt so much hope and there was something different about him. I couldn't explain it, but it was like the entire room changed energetically with his presence. This experience itself was unforgettable because I was sleeping on a floor and, you know, on a sleeping bag with hundreds of other people who were trying to help these children that they'd never met and probably would never meet. And we came all across America to do so, to try to get people to pay attention and to see all these people care like this. It gave me so much hope. Fast forward to another two years later, and a friend on Facebook asked me to go to dinner. I had just moved to LA and I was seeking out new friends. So I said, yes, he picked me up. And instead of going to dinner, he says that we were going to stop by his friend Tom's house. We pull up to this trailer in Malibu, right by the ocean. And guess who walks out of the trailer? Tom Shadiak, the speaker from that event in DC. 
I remember that night like it was yesterday because the same energy was that was in that room in DC when he spoke was in his home. It was in his presence. And when he spoke, just like in DC, I wanted to write down every single thing. And Tom saw that in me. He saw that curiosity and my craving to learn. He wasn't bothered by my 100 questions. And all of that is also in him. And we connected over that. We both are truth seekers. We're constantly asking questions. We're constantly curious. We were also both very brokenhearted at the time and bonded over that. We both felt like we probably were friends or family members in another life because of how familiar we both felt in each other's presence. A month later, we volunteered on Thanksgiving together and then went to Telluride for New Year's Eve and became the best of friends. The rest is history. Tom is my touchstone. He was the first person in my entire life that ever truly felt safe to me because he had no agenda and he saw me for who I wanted to be. And in his eyes, I already was that. And he consistently spoke that into me. I can't explain the difference that he's made in my life, but I'm sure he's made a difference in yours as well. Who Tom is, is so much more important than what he's done. But he was the youngest joke writer ever for comedian Bob Hope and is widely known for writing and directing the comedy films Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, The Nutty Professor, Liar Liar, Patch Adams, and Bruce Almighty. Without this man, our lives would be less vibrant and we would have found less joy in comedy. And what's funny about that is even before I met him, he had been making me laugh for over a decade. More importantly, though, after being the number one comedy writer in Hollywood, whose movies that he directed made billions of dollars, and he was living in a 17,000 square foot mansion, he gave that all up and started to live a life that felt more meaningful for him. He moved on to make the documentary I Am and to write Life's Operating Manual. If you want to dig deeper into this part of his story, like story, I highly encourage you to watch that documentary on Netflix and to order that book. I don't think it's possible for someone to meet Tom and to not be moved and touched and inspired to live and love more. He raises that bar. And I've never met someone who has changed the world more than this man. From making us all laugh in our childhood, which was a medicine in itself, to now funding orphanages worldwide and dedicating himself to the poorest zip code in America so much that it is now that wealthiest when it comes to love and community. This man truly is a modern day Jesus. Things happen. Things shift when he is in a room and when he speaks. Even the times I've grocery shopped with him or taken a stroll down a Colorado street He loves on every person in front of him, grabbing bags out of people's hands to help them carry them. And he does this energetically as well. I know that I'm biased, but I truly don't think that there is another man on this planet that has changed the world for the better more than him. And because it is such a ripple effect, I don't think that he'll truly know how many thousands upon thousands of souls he has influenced. I think though that one day once his soul leaves his body, I imagine that he'll see all of those souls in front of him whose lives were changed because of him. And I picture those thousands of souls and him finally knowing how much he truly mattered and how much his life 
truly change the world. I know that every soul that my life has touched has been touched because of him, because he was my first healing place. And it was experiencing that that ultimately led to me stepping into that healing and into that safety so that I could be that for others. There hasn't been a single ceremony that I've done that Tom's soul didn't meet me at. I don't know who I would be or if I would be without his friendship. If you're going to be an avid listener of this show, it's pretty important that you know who this man is because I likely will reference him in almost every episode. That is how important he is to me and how important his impact on my life has been. So buckle up because you're about to experience that man for yourself. Please help me welcome Tom Shadiak to Untamed and Unashamed. Wow, well, it can only only be a letdown from there. (laughs) (laughs) For that generosity. Uh, and, And thank you for being such a reward to me for, you know, we all invest in different ways and and to have invested time in our relationship and with each other. And I see it paying off in such a beautiful life that is carrying on such, such beautiful energy. So amen. Thank you. I said before you got on, I, I said that I always have this visual of you I don't like to visualize your, you being gone ever, but I have this visual of you after your soul leaves your body that it's only then that you'll realize what a difference you've made in the world. Because I imagine like your soul and then thousands of souls in front of you that are just in gratitude for what you've done. That that again is beautiful. And it also, you killed me off very early in the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? It's funny. Yeah. I mean, that soul, what will it be like that cottage of darkness, as Mary Oliver says, when, when we leave this earth body. Um, but somehow I do think that maybe we do get to see that, you know, we do get to yeah. see that we, we can't use the body anymore because we're not in a body, but maybe we do get to see and feel that energy that we have been a part of and we have left behind to continue yeah. evolution of energy. Yeah. Well, um, all right. Good luck with that episode when I'm not. I'm <laughs> trying to zap you in some way. Um, so yeah, so, still, still cooking. Yeah. yeah. So Tom, I want to talk to you about all things heart. There have been times I told you that I wish I had your brain, and you told me that I didn't need your brain because you and I have the same heart, which is the biggest compliment I could ever receive. And there were times, you know, in ceremonies where it is very much you, that you and I are just hanging out in my heart. And I tell you that I miss your mentorship and your friendship and your presence. And you tell me that anytime that I miss you to just spend time with my heart. And that's something that's a struggle for so many of us to get out of the head and into the heart. And you were the first person that I called when the last podcast ended and I was going to you know, begin this one. And I talked to you about all of my struggles with that, the heartache, but also my feelings of not being intellectual enough on my own and feeling that all of my power is in the heart. However, that was me not being in my heart because I was in my head with all of those feelings. So I want to talk to you about the heart how to live in the heart. That's so much of what I want this show to be about is dropping into our hearts 
being in that heart space. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, uh, congratulations on this podcast. Thank you. And, and what a great, perfect teacher, what you call God of the universe is, so that you have a chance now to really feel that you are good enough, strong enough. Sorry to do a Saturday Night Live sketch here and <laughs> we like you. Um, but that you can do this, that there is a voice in you that is worthy of being out there, whether one person or 100,000 or more hear this, that you, you can do this. So you, you, you had that, that, you know, friend that stepped in with you and now you get a chance to be even more yourself. So it's a really great opportunity. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's something that I, I learned about the head versus the heart, my whole upbringing. And as I journeyed into relationships as a young man and as a a filmmaker, um, in, in LA, I often hear, heard, especially my significant others say, you're in your head. And I didn't know what they meant. You're in your head because everything got analyzed. Okay. If I, if I walk this way, do this, if I read this book, if I do that, and that's the head is trying to control. And so the heart space is about trust, which develops after some time, some experience, hopefully some maturity. And the heart is the one heart shared by all. When you and I say we have the same heart, that person that is also listening to this podcast at it, at his or her or others root has the same heart. What is the heart? The heart is, we say the heart of something. It's the center, right? It's, it's the place from which our lives pulse and emanate. And we all come from the same source. And so to drop back into that source is to trust that source. And therefore, I have to let go of all the worries for that moment of trusting in my heart. I have to let go of what if I don't? And, and, and you essentially get more energy and you have more life force to do. You have, you have just, there's nothing getting between you energetically and that thing that you, that you are working on because mm-hmm. the heart space doesn't have a worry. The head space has the worry, but so how do you get there? Mm-hmm. Two words. Good luck. <laughs> it, takes, it takes time. It takes experience of being in your head and realizing it doesn't work. One of the famous Christian scriptures is who can change a hair of their head by one hair of their head by worry. Mm. And when you worry enough and you realize that the energy is only negative, it only pulls you down. That's coming again from the head over analysis. Eventually you just say, it's not working for me. Mm. And eventually you see the power of the heart. Like, what was it that created this relationship that I have now? It was my heart. I didn't think my way into this relationship. Mm-hmm. My heart dropped me into it. Mm. Remember that saying I told you, you cannot think your way to right action. We always think we can think our way. If I analyze this enough, I'm going to do the right thing. There is no right or wrong thing. There is just a thing. Mm-hmm. So eventually you make a decision whether it's heart-based or head-based, you do that thing and it teaches you something. And if you do that long enough, eventually you're going to find your way, you're going to excavate your way back into your heart. Mm. So that's my theory called good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and um, 
you know, two things that you also, I've noticed you always say, you never ask me, how are you? You say, how is your heart? And then instead of what's wrong, you ask me, what are you feeling? And I think if we could use that type of language, you know, day to day with others, we would all truly feel more seen and more held. Um, I feel like this is an appropriate place also to talk about choosing love over fear, um, which I know in your book, um, Life's Operating Manual, you have the truth and fear dialogues. So um, I feel like truth and fear is, I might be incorrect, but it's the same as love and fear. Um, But I'd like to talk to you about that, the um, choosing love or choosing trust over fear. Yeah. Well, let's go back, if we can, for a second to right and wrong. Okay. Well, right and wrong, and and we'll, you know, love and fear, of course, part of all of this, but right and wrong are two words that I do my best not to use. I'm sure I'll use them on this podcast, as I say, I do my best not to use them. But I think that's one of the poisons and the toxins of our culture, that there is a right path and a wrong path, that when we are right, we're always, you know, compassionate and kind, and we're always doing something positive, and then wrong, we're doing something negative, we're we're on the wrong path, we're, we're not doing, you know, um, that highest, greatest good. And, and, and those terms, I think, stymie us, they put judgment on us, they increase that headspace, that worry, oh, I'm not good enough. Like, this podcast for you, Jade, I know is about being enough. Mm-hmm. Right? If I could get one tattoo, it would be you already are. Yeah. Right? right? You're still, it's this paradox, you're in, you're, you're perfect and in process. Mm-hmm. This Earth space, this space and time is in process. I'm still learning how to be a good person, filmmaker. There's there's good again, good and bad, right and wrong. See, I already used good. But mm-hmm. I more, I'm more a fuller person, a freer person. Those are words I would mm-hmm. I would hope to move more more towards. Um so so what happens with right and wrong is we don't understand how life works. Mm-hmm. So is night bad? Or is night needed? Darkness and light. Mm-hmm. If it was all light, nothing would grow. It would be too hot. It would mm-hmm. there'd be no balance. There would be no cool down period. It's shadow and it's light. They work together in a space and time continuum, which is what what we're in here. And so, you know, you just Connie, my partner, was just here, and we. You know, we had a little bit of an ego flare the other day and my ego and maybe her ego flashes. That's that shadow, right? Now, if we think that's bad, then life is done, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's done. All we are, we're perfect. There's no shadow. We're never going to have an ego flare. We're never going to have anything that we can learn from. Everything is perfect. And that's not where we are and where we're going to be. Mm -hmm. That ego flare was good. Again, there's the word good, but that ego Mm -hmm. flare was an opportunity an opportunity to learn. Why is my ego flashing? What is it going on in me that I'm having to defend myself here? And then Connie has an opportunity to say, Hmm, what's going on with me? Um, to see what, what it is that how I can grow. Here's the trick. Maybe we would get there at the end of the podcast. We'll get there early. Mm -hmm. Love is the faithful heart of the cosmos. That's a quote from, I believe Richard Rohr. Love is the faithful heart of the cosmos. 
And love always wants to beget more love. It wants to be more in love and, and, and have more love. That's what we call evolution. So that mm-hmm. moment was an essential part, that shadow flash was an essential part of love finding a way to beget more love. Now I understand my own shadow a little more. I understand how that can be difficult for a partner that sits in front of that shadow. And so the the universe love expanded eh, this much, but isn't love Mm -hmm. an eternal energy. So who knows where that ends? Mm -hmm. So if, if you remove good and bad from your vocabulary as much as possible and right and wrong, and you see it as all process, that guy, Richard Roy just, talked about this modern day Christian mystic wrote a book called um, um, everything belongs. Mm -hmm. You know, I would write one called it's all necessary. Mm. You can't activate love. If there's not shadow, why would you activate your love? If your partner doesn't come home and they're sad about something, you can activate your love by, Hey, let me, let me take care of you tonight. I'm going to actually, you know, get you something to eat that you like and, and maybe let's let's sit together and watch one of your favorite shows. That love gets activated because there's shadow, mm. right? So we need it all. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I started there. No, I love it. So let's talk about, though, um, that, you know, your heart in conflict with another. Uh, I know you said before the hurting heart is the open heart, but so many times when we get hurt, our initial reaction is to close, to protect. So... When, By the way, you remember me better than I remember me. You, you when you quote I'll me, I'm trying to have you memorized. <laughs> I just like have you quote me, like you quoting me. Anyway, well, go, I also go talked about before you got on that the first night we hung out, I had a notepad, like writing down what the, what you were saying. Um, you wrote it down. You write it down better, which is again, you know, <laughs> which is again the universe evolving itself. I say something, but it moves through your experience, and it maybe even gets more light attached mm. anyway so go on well yeah when our when our partner's shadow comes out and it triggers us or sends us into a fear loop or you know we start to project our primary caregivers on them the initial reaction subconsciously is to close so what is what has been your greatest tool in staying open in those moments courage mm-hmm yeah, courage, as as Maya says, um, the most important virtue because it allows all other virtues to activate. Um, yeah, again, courage means age of heart to get back there, right? Liqueur, mm. meaning the French word for heart and age. Uh, it takes courage be, 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 because you, you have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to say, okay, I am aware that I am not a fully evolved uh, space-time figure here, space-time energy here. I need uh, um, to be open to what you may have to share with me. My shadow is in this room. And and it takes a lot of guts. You know, Mary Oliver, again, wrote this beautiful poem where she said, um, um, we do one thing or the other. We change or we stay the same. Congratulations if you've changed. Mm. And and that's, again, that right or wrong. See, we have a culture that's a head culture that teaches you it's better to be right than wrong. And yet mm-hmm. every inventor would tell you it's essential to be wrong because when you're wrong, 99 times of that perspiration, that 1% inspiration has a chance to act. Is that right? Is that? 
Mary Oliver also. Yeah. Optimistic against speaking. Around ideas of right and wrongdoing. The script recently, I rewrote a script recently, and it's about this idea. And I'm having a real hard time getting it made because the lead character doesn't see things as right and wrong. And what kind of a world do we live in now? Mm. You're either the right tribe or the wrong tribe. You mm-hmm. know, you're either a masker or an anti-masker. You're either a vaxxer or an anti-vasker. You're either a, a, a you know, a, in, the, in the right liberal cause or you're in the, you know, in the right, you know, mm-hmm. conservative group. And, and, and there's no softness. There's no, there's no, we are projecting our shadow. Well, you're wrong. That's my shadow projecting. You're not wrong. You've had an experience. What is that experience? Because it's put you in this space where you are. And if I can understand that experience, perhaps I can offer something to tell you about my experience. And then there's an exchange, an energetic exchange. And then love has another chance mm-hmm. to, again, create the conditions for more love. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, that's a roomy quote. Out beyond ideas. Yeah. Roomy. Yeah. Yeah. Making room, <laughs> as you said mm-hmm. in the beginning, making room for another. You know, mm-hmm. it's I and room, right? Roomy, I, it's the end of it. Like I and making room, like mm-hmm. ego will make room for another perspective and ego. And then together, let's work it out. Yeah. So when it comes to the polarized topics of politics and COVID issues, though, um, and anything that's really polarizing, I always think about, you're so good at making a case for the other side. And in these polarizing um, situations, I, I see both sides. I see that both sides are doing the best that they can from where they're coming from. I see that both sides have equal fears of what could happen if they do this or, uh, or if they do that. And I also see that both sides genuinely do want what's best for the world. And that's why they're spreading whichever message of whichever side they're on. Um, How can we, when we genuinely feel, um, because I know on both sides, you know, very right. Yeah. When we genuinely feel right. Yeah. Yeah. But go ahead. No, I understand what you're saying. Both sides are very intelligent and empathetic. I know people on both sides that are the most intelligent, empathetic, kindest people. And I know that they wouldn't want to hurt anybody. So um, how can we, how can we somehow, not that we can meet in the middle, but how can we try to end the polarization there and meet in that field in this situation? Well, we have to be that change that we want to see. So if you approach your friend, you know, um, I, I don't know, you know, everything about vaccines and whatnot. I'm, I'm, I got vaccinated and some of mm-hmm. my friends and standing relationships I've had in show business have not. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, I want people to live. So I'm pretty passionate about this, but I'm not right. Mm-hmm. You know, time is going to determine who, you know, or what, was the proper course of action to save the most lives, but nobody knows for a fact if they're right. So the best tool you can have is to listen. Mm. So I work in an underserved neighborhood that just has different information than I was given. They are, they're, they're from a, a, a culture that, you know, 
is less trustful of America because America, you know, much of America has never served them. It's never served their interests. They're people of color. They came out of slavery. Then they came out of, you know, segregation. Then they came out of economic disenfranchisement, et cetera. And so I simply ask like what, what, so you've decided not to be vaccinated. I want to know about that. You know, tell Mm -hmm. me why. Tell me what you're, tell me what information you have. And, and oh, I see, I see. It's not been trustworthy for you. You know, um, they call people like me in the neighborhood when we first come, turkey people. I'll tell you why. I think I've told you this before. We're just going to drop off a turkey and we're going to split because nobody's ever come into their lives that mm-hmm. doesn't have a transactional nature. Nobody's come just to be a family member, to be a friend. These underserved neighborhoods are abandoned. Oh, that's how you feel about the government. The government's never really come or that, you know, the authority, let's just call it authority, has never really come to say, I'm here with you to be a friend of yours, Mm -hmm. to learn about you. I might throw some, you know, money your way and, you know, pretend, you know, like that this is enough, you know. No, but I'm here as a government to say, I need to know about you. And so because they haven't had that, they don't have a trusting relationship. And so when the government now says, I'm here for you, here's a shot. Like, it's going to make you better. Like, okay, hold on a second. <laughs> like, not as against someone who's going to come give a turkey, which is like, here's a little money. Go go fix that problem. But now here's a friend. I'm going to learn about you. So when you do that, how can you not be empathetic? That mm-hmm. doesn't mean you can't still want what you believe is correct or there's a correct again. But it, there was the most healthy way for society to move forward at this mm-hmm. moment. And still be passionate about it without making another person feel like they have no worth or dignity and that their story doesn't matter. Yeah. And that takes guts because you have to be willing to say, look, I I start every conversation with, I don't know, man. Like I'm acting on what I do believe is best based on the information I have and the relationships I have. Mm-hmm. And I care about you. Mm-hmm. And, and if you want to walk differently, I'm going to want to hear about that and learn about it. Mm. And look in the midst of it. Yeah. It's hard, man. It's really hard. Mm -hmm. It's no secret that shame, free sex and pleasure are powerful avenues to deeper connections and an overall sense of well-being and accessible expertly designed toys can play a big part in getting you there and making you feel more alive. Dame is leading a sexual wellness revolution as a women-powered resource for game-changing pleasure products and supportive content. Started by a sex educator and an engineering whiz, Dame develops her products based on research and feedback from people like you. They're making better sexual experiences and more pleasure available to all. Dame's easy-to-use toys and accessories are made with body-safe, doctor-approved materials, and smart design principles. And they've earned glowing praise from the New York Times, the Today Show, and many more, including me. Whether you're looking to shake things up with your partner or upgrade your self-care routine, they've got something for every nightstand. Even better, Dame offers three-year warranties and hassle-free returns within 60 days, so your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. And I will guarantee you satisfaction because I use their products myself. They're amazing. My favorite one is their suction toy. I call it the clit sucker, but it's uh, spelt A-E-R. It's 
called Air. It's a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation. It creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris so you can go all the way right away. Guys, I have like eight to 10 orgasms almost every time I use it. I use it during sex and in my own pleasure practice. You will not be disappointed. They're also sending me a bunch of their other products, so I'll keep you updated. But as of right now, this one's my favorite and I highly recommend it. Go to dameproducts.com and use code JADE today for 15% off your order with Dame. Now on with the show. Making the case for the other side um, helps build so much empathy. And then the um, you know idea that you've also said a lot is that everybody in front of you is God in drag. And that also, so there's the empathy and then that also um, raises the like need for integrity, you know? Um, so there's that too. Like, how are you going to treat that person when they call you wrong or when they are different from you well, and they're really passionate about that? You're going to find out who you are. You brought up Memphis and I wanted you to tell us a few of the success stories that have come out of that rock climbing gym that you've built there also how we can get involved because that is something, you know, I've been there a few times and it, there's no place like it. Um, and I, I, I know that although it's the poorest zip code in America, it doesn't feel like that now when you're there because you've brought so much community and joy and, um, you can still see the pain, but there's, there's, it's different, you know? Um, so I want to hear about, um, maybe a, whichever success story you want to share and then how we can help support you in that mission. Yeah. Well, well, one success story is me because I've learned so much from these mm -hmm. amazing people and this brilliant community. Um, and, and I, you know, I was one who felt for, you know, the underserved populations before, but I'd never experienced it. And now that I am just a friend take the word just away. I am a friend to the, to this community and they have been gracious enough to allow me to be a friend. I have learned so much. I have grown so much. They have taught me so much. They encouraged me so much. So I'm a success story. Mm. Um, and all this stuff that quote, one lock was there. I didn't, it's not me, it's them. And I got to be just one energy source to come and say, can I befriend this possibility that lives here um because i do believe that wherever we go as a society as humans it's not coming out of wealthy environments you know all the inventions are we're gonna have faster cars and we're gonna be able to go to the moon but we're gonna bring all our problems to the moon we're gonna bring all our mindsets and our heart sets to the moon but out of these communities that know how important it is to be a community to live together and to see each other as family because they don't have the crutch of, 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 you know, disposable income. They don't have that crutch. They have each other. So mm -hmm. out of this community is going to birth the next thing. And I've been able to see and be a small, small part of one of these communities that I know has brilliance. I always say they're pulsing with promise. Mm -hmm. And then if people will see this movie, black ice, which is going to be out soon, it, that, that's what I'd really like them to see the movie black ice it will show you what we do, what we're a part of and how people change. And it'll show you the change in some lives. Uh, it's a climbing film, but it's not about climbing. It's some young, brilliant black um, 
members of our community that go ice climbing into whiter than white, snowy white, culturally white Montana. And that exchange and that exposure shifts everyone, everyone who sees it, everyone who is in it. Um, So again, I I don't want to name names. You'll see it and you'll see a young man who has a beautiful arc. Um, It's like, it's like now it's like what it taught me more than anything was, you know, these conversations that we have Jade on, on social media and, and over podcasts and stuff are awesome. They're the doorway, but we got to walk in the doorway and then walk the talk. Mm-hmm. You know, conversations are fine. Black lives matter. Signs are great, but is there a black life in your life that matters to you? Mm. Is there a person of color in your life that matters to you that you can then exchange matter, whether it's time together, food together, uh, um, doing a project together, mutual support together. Um, so it's really, really time now that we walk. We walk. Talk starts with a T, right? The divine and, the, you know, the vertical and the horizontal, the cross. And now we got to turn it to walk, right? We got to rotate that T around a little bit, turn into a W and walk mm. together. Yeah. Um, so Memphis Rocks, we're on memphisrocks.org, um, R-O-X, Rocks. Um, we need people to help. We, we only, um, we, we, we offer a, a, a safe space to recreate, climb, uh, weight, lift, box, yoga, dance. We have a juice bar. We have a, 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 a pay what you can afford sundry and grocery store. Uh, we have a woodworking shop. We train kids. We're getting a, 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 a organic garden together. None of this. Uh, there's no economic barriers to entry. Like it's, it, you come and bring the energy that you have. That's another thing will change in this world. That money is the only form of energy. You have volunteerism, you have a good spirit. You can, you can add positivity. You can bring some skill and that can be an energetic exchange where you can have an offering. So we take, we, we, we just want people to bring something positive to their life, their community lives, their community's life. And so there's no barriers to entering our gym for food, for uh, sundry items, et cetera. Um, and so we need people's help. You yeah. know, we, we need that form of recognized energy now money. And if they mo- come in as a monthly supporter or a one-time supporter, um, you know, if they'll watch black ice, they'll see that work is being, that w- good work is, is being done by this, this group. Um, again, that I'm a, a, a small, small part of. You're being very modest. Well, um, no, it's, it's true. I, they, they, this is theirs. Like I am simply like, I'm, I'm simply like a mirror. Like I come in and reflect, you know how brilliant Christine is. Like I get to be one of the ones who tells Christine mm-hmm. how brilliant he is. I get to be the, one of the ones who tells Malik Martin, how brilliant he is and Jamond, how brilliant they are. Um, and then, then they get to go bring their reflection and energy to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're that definitely that seed. You spoken to me. Um, you know, I said at the start of the show that you see me for who I want to be and constantly tell me I already am that. And without that mirror, without that seed of hope from you, you know, with the no agenda, you weren't a turkey person. Um, I would have never done this podcast. I would have never chosen a healthy partner. There's so many things that I would have never done. So, um, it's a, it's a small seed, but it's a huge part. Um, 
Well, that is a that is an eternal reward, and it's a tangible reward. Our culture thinks that the only way you can be rewarded for any kind of investment or or hard work is money. Why would I ever work so hard on this if I didn't have like a, you know a million dollar payout? Oh, because maybe someone like Jade will take some of the thoughts that inhabited you and spread those thoughts, and there'll be more love, creating the conditions for more love in the world. Like, like there, that we've got to get away from this idea that it's only money and material goods that give us motivation to affect each other's lives. You're, you're a living example of that. And these lives now in Memphis that I see walking with more themselves with, and, and more resources to be themselves. What, what money, what amount of money is worth a life that is brighter today than it was yesterday? What amount of money? You know, and, and I, I hope, and again, it's coming out of these cultures because they see that they, they, they see that they've never had the quote advantage or in mm-hmm. some way disadvantage of just having that crutch of, of cash to throw at every problem. They've got to throw compassion at every problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so I'm a monthly donor to Memphis rocks and I always will be, I firmly believe in um, the, the life's, being changed there. And, um, it's something that you can't put on paper, like the, um, you know, grades changing or whatever it is. It's like you, you see the hearts. Um, but I'm curious your perspective. And I've shared this with you before, but you know, even when COVID hit and a lot of us were on an, on unemployment, and single parents and whatever else, you know, we were being thrown at through COVID and everything closing. Um, there were two responses I got from, um, close people of mine that didn't really think it was wise of me or responsible of me to continue to be a donor. And again, like you said, there's no right and wrong. Um, but there was no question in me that I should still be giving because I still had more than they did. And I truly believe that no one will become poor by giving, but I'm curious um, what your perspective is on why for some, there's a resistance to that. Um, And I also curious, you know, the, the abundance mindset is very popular right now. Um, Being the coach that makes a million dollars. And I understand that it's part of a healing dependent on where you've come from as well. Um, but I, I, I know the dangers of like, that you talk about in your book of like stocking up and then others have less. So i um, curious if you can go into that some. Wow. That's a lot. Um, well, yeah. first of all, people who told you those people who told you not to contribute to Memphis rocks were wrong. No, I'm like, <laughs> stay away from right and wrong. Um, you just said it wasn't responsible. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, well, there's a point to listen to about that. You have two children yourself, you know, and, and there's something to hear. And then you listen to your own heart and you say, appreciate your opinion. But I feel like these kids are my kids in, in some way, too. Um, and, and I care. Um, in fact, that's when we needed people the most mm-hmm. uh, was at that time because yeah. we, couldn't, we couldn't get any resources we have people coming they do pay like if they can afford and we get so thank you jade you've always been incredibly incredibly generous um with your resources Uh, and i think you know i may have given away larger sums of money but i haven't 
given away um, more of maybe percent. You're always giving a very high percent. Um, well, I don't want to break it down to percent. That's kind of a low form of energy, but I know that your heart is as expansive as any heart that um, I've been blessed to know um, because of the way you give. So what was the other part of your question? I do want to talk about one thing real quick when you get it back, but I want want people to know that we don't measure success in measurable ways. You mentioned right. that um, a few minutes ago. Um, I imagine it's hard to get donors because of that, though. Super hard. That's why black ice is important. How, you're not going to be able to measure anything in black ice. You're not going to say, oh, somebody uh, changed their GPA from a 2.1 to a 3.5. And we have 17 percent more kids graduating from high school. You know, like like we would throw out all our poems. All The New Testament would be gone because there's no way to measure the most important things in life. Now, there may be measurements that come out of some of those, those things. So we measure things in a different way. We, we go to the heart space and we, we ask, is your life, do you feel more of your own life coming alive? Mm -hmm. Do you feel yourself coming into yourself more? And we feel that encouragement and that to us is our greatest success. Do you feel that you're loved now and held now? Mm. So what was the other part of the question you asked? Is there was a whole. I want to go into the, like, you know, abundance, the abundance mindset. And don't get me wrong. Like I want to increase my income because I want to be a less worrisome mother around putting my kids through Montessori. Like I want to increase my income. I want to have an abundance mindset. I come from a place of lack. And so that's a healing place for me, but I want to talk about the slippery slope there of, um, accumulating, accumulating and while others don't have, and I know you discuss that a lot in your book. And I know that that was a huge part of your story. So maybe you can share whatever you feel like to share here. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm the crazy guy in Hollywood who got the largest and gave most of it away. Um, and, I gave it away because I didn't need it. Uh, um, um, I was, you know, very happy as a young artist to make what you call director's guild minimum. And then I got success with, you know, your, your audience may already know I directed some big movies like Ace Ventura and Nutty Professional, R. Patch Adams, Bruce Almighty, um, et cetera. And that brought, you know, according to our culture, all the, these resources my way. And I, and I, I just felt the imbalance of it. Mm. So here I was decrying the inequity in the world. And yet I was a representation of that inequity. And so I started to ask myself a different question. And I think that comes back to this idea of abundance. How do you define abundance? If it's only through income means one thing, which is money. Um, I question that because I think income and abundance can come with I can take in what happened to some of the lives that I've been blessed to be a friend of mm -hmm. a friend. That's an income to me. That's a, that's an eternal wealth. Now we need resources, right? And I want everyone to have what they need to be fully Jade Bryce, to be fully Tom Shadyak, to be fully who they are. You know, I've always said, if you are a guitarist, I see a guitar in your background. I want you to have a damn good guitar. You know, if that's your passion, if you love automobiles, like go get what you need to, to express that, that unique divine energy that is you, but no more than you need. 
So we're in storage houses. If you, if we just, America just got out of storage, we could end world hunger today, mm. right? Too much storage makes the body unhealthy, right? Mm. All that something called obesity. And there's a lot of reasons, things for that. But, but too much storage in our society makes the society unhealthy. And, and, and so in today's fear-based society, of course, everybody wants to get everything they can because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And, we, and somehow that's where that courage comes in. It's going to take some people to actuate their courage to say, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I know what's happening today. And I want to be a part of the healing of today. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm compassionate today and maybe I need something tomorrow, someone will be compassionate to me. And so there is abundance, but it's not simply in this resource. We have co-opted this idea that if you're doing the right thing, you're going to, the universe is going to pay you and you're going to get a lot of money. That, that is, is not, I believe, where we're, where we're moving. And that is a very limited definition of abundance. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of wealthy people don't have abundance because to me, abundance is having enough to share. And some wealthy people themselves don't feel they have enough to share. Yeah. How much can I get is the question of our society today. And I believe in the future, it's going to be how much is enough? Mm. Which is enough. And yes. And then when you're on the treadmill of how much can I get, that treadmill never ends. But how much is enough? Is you know that is that that feels the, the 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 general connection of all things and and can make you whole in a different way that wealth that constant treadmill of wealth never will mm-hmm. yeah. money as wealth mm-hmm. it's a big thing in our society I mean I'll mm-hmm. say the most radical thing a person will, will you know maybe hear who has wealth which is it's always acceptable to ask a wealthy person with resources to do more. It's okay to ask them to do more, but it's never acceptable to ask them to take less. Mm. At what point is it that you've got enough? Like just Mm. take less. You can still work hard. And now that money is going automatically into an account that is a part of some community that needs some energy. Mm. You know, none of this is ever ours really ever ours anyway, you know, now we're owning things like the land that native people never thought we could even own. And, and, you know, that's why they sold New York for 24 bucks. Like, it's like, yeah, you want to own that piece of dirt? Yeah. Good luck. Bye. We'll take some, trinkets. you know, at least we can wear these trinkets, but there was a poison happening that native people weren't fully aware of that. Uh, what do they call Wetico? Like a mental illness that we could own everything. Mm-hmm. which is why the earth is heating up now. Oh my gosh, you see all this weather that's happening. People are literally dying now in, in, in cities, you know, where record temperatures in Seattle. Mm-hmm. I do believe that's a part of what we are doing, the effect that we are having. Yeah. By taking, 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 taking. Yeah. And they never saying, what's, how much is enough? Like, yeah. Yeah. The fire in the middle of the ocean over here near Texas as well. From the pipeline burst. Um, so I recently reached out to you crying because I had to get rid of around 500 books due to having mold in my house. And I know that you understand that books can feel like best friends. You've even said before that 
a lot of your best friends are are dead because they're authors from, you know, books that you love. Um, they've been a refuge place for me. And you told me about a story of Rumi and the damaged book. Um, I believe that's what it's called. Oh, yeah. Rumi and the drowned book. The drowned book, right. So I wanted to see if you could break down that story for people in a way that, you know, applies to life in general. Well, the, the, the story is about what we hold on to. Mm-hmm. And then the ultimate freedom is letting go. So we just talked about material wealth. You know, mm-hmm. I've got a lot less material wealth. And it's been a process in letting that go because so much fear gets attached to it. Well, I'd be I'm defined by this material wealth. Well, that also can be true of wisdom traditions. We all have our books, right? Mm-hmm. Right. It's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, right? Not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. But that Bible, that book has become it. It's its own God. And so there's a story, and there's so much beauty in the Bible. Don't get me wrong. It's so much mm-hmm. challenge. Like, but mm-hmm. there's a story about Rumi. Um, and Rumi's father was a was a was a teacher as well, and 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 passed on a book of wisdom sayings, and Rumi carried that around. It's actually a beautiful book. Rumi carried that around, and he was a teacher of some of, of some renown. And Ruby always had a sense that he was going to meet another teacher, that there was a friend, a quote unquote friend out there who he'd have a true relationship with, a true spiritual relationship with. Well, one day he's teaching and he's speaking with some students and out comes this madman and grabs that book of wisdom sayings and throws it into the fountain and soaks the book, drowns the book. And, 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 and the, the, this, person says this crazed spirit says um if if you want to be truly free you must leave the book and you must leave the book and of course Rumi was aghast and 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 upset but he realized that this crazed person might not be so crazed when that person picked the book up from the fountain handed it back to Rumi and it was dry And the metaphor, of course, many believe that this this actually happened and it could be a story passed on, was if we stay inside our books, if we stay inside them only, if we never leave the confines of those books, the the dogmas that come out of those books, then we're never truly free. Mm -hmm. Again, goes back to you've got to trust that that heart that you have, the spirit, the soul that lives within you knows beyond any book that we could write. You can't ever really express mm-hmm. anything about God that's going to be ultimately affected. There's a limit to language. And that action was saying, leave the limit of language. Like leave it and feel and experience. And then you will have a knowing that could not ever be expressed in mm-hmm. any book fully. And so I was inviting him beyond and that is a metaphor for all of us to be invited beyond everything we think we know now. And we are stuck in, I know I'm right, you know, about how to move forward as a society with this money thing. I've got to say, wait a second, maybe there's another thing coming. I don't know. This is where I'm at now, but leave those confines of where you are. And that again, allows you to talk to that person you don't agree with because you don't think you have the ultimate knowledge. Mm. And so it's a metaphor for humility. Um, and, and for an open spirit and, and, and not for not being passionate, 
but for not letting that passion cross over into rigidity. Mm. That's good, Tom. Well, that's roomy, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm a poor translator. Yeah. (laughs) So the last time I interviewed you, which was back in 2018, I asked what you were longing for at the time. And you said that it was more intimate relationships, more consistent friendships. You wanted to be known in a way that you come home to a partner and they just know you. So that was back in 2018. Um, I want to know what you're longing for now and if that previous longing has been met. Well, if it hasn't, that partner in the next room is going to be pretty upset. <laughs> with this <background. laughs> Well, no, I, the reason why I'm curious, I know how your community took care of you in your recent situation. And um, so I know the answer is yes, but I wanted to hear it from you. Yeah, I mean, I, I recently, um, I, I've, I've had this this uh, uh, awful grace of God attached to my life for a long time, which is the awful grace of God is that you you you, you got to go through stuff, right? You're right. Metals forged in fire. And I've been I've been burned a number of ways, but I've seen my own death now very tangibly twice. One was with my bike accident. Um, and what I, what came out of that was a, a kind of fearlessness about expressing more of who I am mm-hmm. um, and about the I am. And uh, the recently I had another brush with death where um, I had to have a very uh, serious operation because they found an aneurysm next to my spleen is a very rare thing and if that aneurysm which is a bubble in the vein bursts that'll be it you know you'll be off you'll be out of the body and on to whatever's beyond and and I have a beautiful partner now who again as you were saying those things I'm like wow that's beautiful in 2018 I was hoping and longing that maybe that that call for intimacy here could be could be met and and you know it's been exceeded and 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 I feel very very blessed and how full circle that now I'm interviewing you, you've now had that longing met and the intro to the show is that person's voice, you know? Oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. I won't give any trade secrets. You can do that. But, uh, <laughs> um, and then on, in, 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 in addition, in conjunction with that, you know, during this surgery, you know, I, I was really, really weak and my entire community in Memphis, Tennessee, um, rallied in a way that was so beautiful and they inspired my community in LA and they basically fed me mm. they do these things called meal trains and they show up at your door you know um con well that person Connie I'm just saying it now Connie you know came and 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 literally was my 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 nurse and caretaker uh, for a long period of time but these people literally delivered meals to my house lunch and dinner every day for uh two months Mm-hmm. So I didn't realize how tangible an effect that would have yeah. on my healing that I was able to focus on the one thing I could do, which is rest and walk, rest and walk. And so there was no need to worry about what are we going to eat, go to the grocery store. That that's why I so have fallen into walking our spiritual, our, our philosophical, our ethical ideas like that community walks. They didn't ask another question, like, we're taking care of you. And I had to have the 
um, vulnerability to allow myself to be taken care of. Yeah. And I'm literally watching a mouse run across my floor right now. There is a little <laughs> mouse. <laughs> that is hilarious. Let me see where it's. Give me one second. <laughs> wow. All right. He heard the word vulnerable when this is a good time to come out. <laughs> a little guy like this big. Um, yeah. So what am I longing for now? Um, hmm. I'm longing to, I think one of the things that I've done as a, as a person so um, called to spirit is um, I'm learning now to value more and more the body, more and more the incarnation of spirit in space and time in flesh. And, you know, so much of the mystical tradition is about detach, 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 I think there's some longing for attachment in a healthy way with why we're here, what we're doing and how we experience the beauty and the pain and the possibility of all of life as one iteration of the divine. Um, I'm learning to value that more Um, being with people, you know, uh, having a meal with someone um, showing up at a community and being there for them. It's, 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 it's got to be both because, you know, um, God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Again, I come from the Christian tradition. So I often quote it. God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. We only hear he gave the only begotten son part, which I'm not so sure only son part, but, um, (laughs) uh, God so loved the world. We don't hear God so loved the world. Right. And the world is this right now. So, so I long for, I want to tell more stories to, to, I want to, you know, make more films, um, to, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, it's been a long process for me to kind of re re enter this, this business I've been a part of for a long time for a lot of reasons on another podcast. <laughs> we'll talk about potentially why, but, um, uh, I, I want to, um, see what we're doing in Memphis, not only take root there, which is looking at relationship energy in a different way, taking the dollar bill out of the relationship in be- that dollar gets in between the two of us, as the brilliant Christine often says, gets in between us. What if we took it out? What could we be? Who could we be? How could we, how could we grow? I want to see that expand not only in Memphis, but to other cities. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to tangibly be a part of that new philosophy rising up that new way of being that may be again, love, love, wanting to beget the conditions for more love so that this thing, this world that God so loved can continue. I love that. And I love that you are so well taken care of and that I know for me, um, I was just seeing a memory the other day that after I had my son, you know, I had an emergency C-section. It hurt to stand or to walk. It hurt to even hold him in bed And so I really couldn't cook for myself. And at the time I had just moved back from Austin. I had left California due to the pregnancy and I didn't have anyone making me food or helping me at all. He was, um, only sleeping 45 minutes at a time. So I was near hallucinating and I was, saw a memory the other day that I was like asking on Facebook, could anyone, this is before Uber eats, you know? But I was like, can anyone bring me a meal? I'll pay for it. 
Um, and I remember being so hungry while trying to breastfeed this baby, this new baby and feeling so alone. Um, and just craving family and community. And then just a couple months ago, when I had my surgery, the esophagus surgery, um, I wanted for nothing. I had so much community and family, people that didn't even live in the city back then, um, but that I didn't know either. Just came around me with all of the supplements I needed to get better. Every meal was, you know, made. And this was also at a time that like the day that I got out of surgery was when power went out across Texas for five days. No one had power. We weren't even supposed to be driving over snow and still my community took care of me and my kids. Um, my partner made sure I had every meal and that was something I didn't have, you know, just six years ago. And so, um, I'm so happy to see both of our longings met in that area. Yeah, it's, that's really, it's really beautiful. Um, it means so much when someone shows up and, and, and that's, I, I don't want to only long for the macro, you know, I always tend to see things in a big picture, this new way of being, I long for these intimate moments mm -hmm. where we show up for each other. And, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a godparent now of a, of a few kids and um, I want to show up for them. And I want to have that moment of, you know, why did you spit up on me? Like, uh, <laughs> I want to have that moment of what just came out of you. Like that mm -hmm. is, um, um, you know, and I'll use the term wrong. What came out of you? That is wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's yeah. so healing to, to receive yeah. is so healing as well. And it's just reorienting, you know, why are we working so hard and why are we stressing ourselves out? We're doing it so we can have those moments. So we can hold a child, have a meal, be with a friend. And they're in front of us right now. Like mm -hmm. they're, in front of all of us right now. But again, a culture that's in its head and not in its heart misses, mm -hmm. right? Uh, someone in our group, I'm in a group that has it's some teachings and it's sort of a class, a spiritual class every week. Mm. Someone had a brilliant, I wish I could think of what he said. He had, he heard a voice and, it, and it's just basically said, if you're always in your fear, you're going to, you're going to miss the moment. Mm you're going to miss that was a voice that just spoke to him if you're always if you're always in your fear you're going to miss the moment and that mm -hmm. fear well do we have enough money next month do we have enough you know and it doesn't mean you can't consider those things yeah put some time and energy into it. but again who can who can add one dollar to their account by worry mm -hmm. you can add a dollar to your account by you know by getting to work and and and, and creating and doing whatever you do but the worry doesn't help mm -hmm. You know, mm. you, yeah. And there's too many moments that I think, I think we, we miss. Yeah. Um, you brought up, you know, that you had a, a touch or a taste of, of death. Um, I'm curious if you have made peace with death, um, and how you feel we can do that and what comes next after death in your view because you have quoted the Bible a couple of times. And I know, um, you know, for me, Revelation, the last book of the Bible was a very scary book for me. And uh, it gave me a warped view of what comes next. And that was very fear-based for me. 
Yeah, well, I'll I'll say what comes next with a big I don't know. So I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll, give, you, I'll give you a thought after, uh, which again is pure theory and speculation. But you know, when you touch your heart, there 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 can be something that lives there that says yes. Um, so have I overcome my fear of death? Um, it 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 would be. Um, boastful and uh and 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 uh premature of me to say yes 100 mm-hmm. percent uh, because i you know i haven't died yet you know i haven't actually you know been at that moment where this is it mm-hmm. um but i've faced it twice and 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 i do feel that i have freed myself from much of that fear mm-hmm. of, of whatever is in that cottage of darkness Mm-hmm. Um, and and that only comes with experience. You, you don't think your way into that. You don't read your way into that. You experience. Mm-hmm. You experience life, and you see that that everybody's got that in common. It's nobody's going to escape it. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I also think it has to do with living well. And as many mistakes as I've made, and will continue to make. I do feel a basic peace with, with where my life has gone. And so if it was to end today, it was, all right, well, that was a good run. You know, that was a, that was a, that was a, you know, that was an experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and hopefully I, I've, I've, I've left some, some people like you that are, that are going to carry on, you know, never been about me. So I sign my name with a small T. It's it's always about what inhabits me. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what happens after death? Um, and oh, by the way, also experiences include watching other people die. I saw my mother die, and I knew in the second that she passed that my mother was no longer there. Whatever it was I loved about my mother was no longer there. A friend of mine who's seen death on a daily basis at Mother Teresa's home for the dying. Falco Terzani had the same experience daily. Mm-hmm. Whatever it was I was loving holding about this person in that moment of death is no longer there. What was that? I mean, that was a piece of flesh. That was my mother's body, but I didn't have any attachment to that flesh and that body. It was that spirit. That's why, that's why a head culture says, I think, therefore I am. And a heart culture says, I am, therefore I think. So I, I do believe that that I am continues. I don't know if it continues with any sense of ego. I'm beginning to think that it does, that there is some maybe energetic Tom that may live on. There's a brilliant woman I'm reading now named Cynthia Bourgeau. Mm-hmm. Comes out of the mystical traditions and, and believes that there's energy all around us. Mm-hmm. Energy all around us that wants to work with us, that there are different levels of, 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 of matter and, and energy. And we all affect each other and, and, and it's here for us and we're to be here for it. And it's all that one thing. Um, and it's, you know, it's complex, but simple, mm-hmm. uh, that energy, you know, the scientific principle that energy once created cannot be destroyed. It can only change form. Yeah. So, Yeah. I simply put, I heard someone say the other day that uh, Rupert Sheldrake say, um, we just don't have our bodies anymore, right? Like when you're in a dream, you have your body. You have this energetic journey. 
um, this story and maybe everything that we are in terms of spirit and emotion comes with us. And some of those fears may even have to actuate, which is why we fear death because we might have to face that Mm. demon that, that has really been in us and not outside of us all along. Like you do good, like you do on a good, um, you know, ceremony, you know, where you get to Mm -hmm. see the darkness, you get that you have to face it. And then, and then it starts to burn off. Yeah. Yeah. It's always an interesting thing to ponder because I feel like I've recalled past life memories. I feel like I had a past life with you. Um, you know, I feel like I had a past life with Mary Magdalene. I feel, um, and I, whenever those come up, I'm always think like, what is that? Is it, do we just have life after life? You know, it's, it's always an interesting thing to ponder, but I agree with you. I don't know. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I've never known about past lives. Like, again, and again, I come out of Christian tradition, which has a really strong opinion about it. And I mm-hmm. don't have that opinion. I think the math is kind of like always makes me puzzled because there's so many people now, 7 billion people where were all those lives, you know, like, yeah. how, you know, like, like, but I, I don't know. I think, I do think that like, even the recollection of something called a past life, there is this kind of information ether that can be tapped into. And maybe I'm a part of which is why I'm drawn to the mystics. Maybe I come from the part of that information ether that the mystics were, a, you know, a part of, you know, and I come out of that, which is why it immediately lit up my heart when I heard of this person, Jesus, who like didn't have any money and didn't have any like other material goods, but he had this heart. It's called the sacred heart of Jesus. Mm. Called the sacred head, right? I've always, I always mm. say this, right? Right. I don't, we don't say, I love you with all my head. You know, my head mm. goes out to you. I really, I'm sorry that you, my head goes out to you. We know there's a power there. And so it falls into our language. Um, but so maybe, you know, maybe what a past life is, is that connection in eternity to that energy. I don't know. And we call it a past life and it looks like it has a certain form and maybe it is form. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty cool that I, I certainly don't dismiss it. You yeah. know, the greatest things in life can't be measured and science hasn't got a hold of them. Science is just a doorway to more mystery. And this is a mystery yeah. that, that I love living into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know you've dug deep on the story of Mary Magdalene, um, you know, lately. And without the two of us knowing it, we were both really being pulled and drawn to her story specifically at the same time. Um, I'd love to hear from you why you feel her story was altered in the Bible. And I know for me personally, you know, I felt so confused and conflicted um, on how I felt about the Bible in general when I realized that her story had been altered. Um, I know you've got different things written about that that haven't been released, but um, while still being a Jesus person and enamored with that, there were feelings of conflict here for me. So, um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that Jesus people can be Buddha people and can Mm -hmm. be, and can be, you know, uh, Krishna people and Shiva people, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, and that Jesus was the human form and that Christ is the spirit that's universal, that even the Bible says Christ is all in all. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, you know, the, the Bible is a document that has both shadow and light. That's mm-hmm. how I look at 
said it. And, um, and when we take it as literal and that, that we're literally supposed to follow the shadow, that darkness of it. And I think that's where we get in trouble. Mm. And as again, that I'll call him a friend, Richard Rohr says, uh, you know, literal interpretation is the lowest form of interpretation. Like if you literally take the story I told you about Rumi and you literally interpret it, it's, uh, it's got, but if you look at it as metaphor, you can have unending meanings of that story. Mm. Um, so uh, I, I think that, you know, we can't pull books that have been written, brilliant, beautiful spiritual books out of the time and the context in which they were written. And so why do we have a, for me, why do we have a Catholic church that is only allows male priests? Now the church is going to argue with me about that. And again, I want to hold space for that argument, but I simply see the beauty of women, the power of women, the brilliance of women. And I want them in access to every leadership position available in space and time. Sorry, that's just where I'm at. Um, but the Bible and, and that mindset that came out of it was in a patriarch, patriarchal society. That's probably why Mary Magdalene had to be a whore. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, we've got to write up. She, she may have been the disciple who was loved the most, who saw maybe even uh, at, at a, at a, at a, uh, you know, kind of a cooperative level with Jesus um, you know, a, a similar power in the I am in the vision that Jesus, you know, was was animating him and his full being was. Um, but a patriarchal society has to uh, no, 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 no. Um, you know, women tend to live more in their hearts because they 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 have an experience of the body that men don't have from menstruation to giving life a they, you know, there's a, there's a trope that we say that may have truth to it, that we wouldn't certainly have the history of war we had if women were leading us. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so it's a masculine culture that has to amass, that has to, you know, find materialism, you know, um, masculinity has so much beauty about it, but it also attaches itself to things. Um, and, and so, the society we, we've built would not have been built by women in leadership. And I think that's where we're going is, is, is it's pretty, remember we, we talked about this throughout the, the change is scary. And, and, and so when we want to empower women, it's scary to men because like you see it now with people of color now being empowered of our society. Well, what's going to happen to people who are not quote of color. They're from a European ancestry. What's going to happen to us? Fear rises up. Right. But this vision has to hold all of us. I don't believe women are going to come and say, all right, men, it's our turn. We're going to lock you up, not give right. you the right to vote, not give you full mm -hmm. equality. Mm -hmm. And so I believe we're at a place now where, where that patriarchal society is, is turned up, is, is turning. It's, 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 we're turning a new page and it's turning into something and it's scary and beautiful. And, mm -hmm. and so I th think, I think, that again, the context of taken into account. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and, and again, I love well, that's a really practical question. Like, Hey, society, how's it working out for us that we have women in less leadership positions and how's it working out for us that we've, we've, we've gone to war at such a consistent, you know, and then we have to like clean up after the war and like, you know, like, how's that working out for you? 
like, and that we've gone to war with an environment. Yeah, it's it 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 it's it's not. We're not in a fully realized vision yet, and women hold a key piece of where we're going. Mm. Thank you, Tom. I um, you've brought up you know being in a relationship a couple of times, and we're speaking about women now. Um, the majority of the time that I've known you, you were single and I received so much from you during that time in your life, um, because of all the things that come with being single and all of the struggles that, that do come with that in the, um, you know, the craving of partnership and now you're in a relationship and I'd love to hear what your, what you learned most during this relationship of yours and what you've learned most from allowing a woman to be that mirror for you. And, um, you know, about the beauty of, of being in a relationship, I guess, because I've, I've learned so much from you about being single. So I want to hear about this part. Well, you're going to have to do a, a yearly, a year pot of worth of podcast <laughs> to, to get to what I've, what I've learned. Um, First of all, I've, I've, I've of course learned the beauty and the power of, of of having a person who you can feel known by, and and, and no one knows us fully, but but it, it, it's so important. It's again, Rumi says like the stars the stars would cease their spinning if they didn't get a taste of this almond cake of love you know, of interpersonal love. The stars would just see their spinning. Well, I got a lot more spinning in me because I've mm-hmm. felt this, this love. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and look, I, you know, I'm, I'm so much a work in progress and I get to see that every day with whether it's a kindness that I'm, I'm able to actuate or it's a flash of ego. And I, Whoa, I have a lot to learn. Like I'm, I'm still, you know, still like that shadow is still alive and well. And I, I see shadow as a friend now. I don't see it as a foe. I don't see it as an enemy. And, um, and, and it's, it's the mirror. There's a mirror in front of me now, you know, mm-hmm. all the time. and that's a beautiful, beautiful, challenging, wonderful, difficult, mm-hmm. you know, and that's life, right? Like, like, right. Like, you know, thank God for gravity, right? Because without gravity, we wouldn't be able to be alive. Like we would just all float off. There'd be no life held here. But gravity is what like is so hard. Like it's like hard every day. My legs get heavy. Like mm-hmm. you know, um, and and that's like love. Like love is like it's this beautiful thing that holds us. It's an what is love but an attraction and a holding together. But at the same time, it's it's got it's challenging. And and without those challenges, it wouldn't be beautiful. Mm. Yeah. I think life is actually easier when you're single because you don't have anyone mirroring that back to you. It's easier to ignore your shadow or um, your ego doesn't come out as much because there's not that projection in front of you or that trigger or that activation. Um, But being in relationship is like one of the greatest schools because you're when you truly love the person in front of you, you're examining yourself in all of those areas and 
your, your grow, you know, there's plenty of ways to grow when you're single, but in relationship, you're, I feel like it's like a, a faster pace of growth because, um, otherwise it's not going to go very well, you know? Right. Right. Well, there's certainly nothing wrong with being single, right and wrong again. There's, right. there's, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily even lower energy or lower vibration. Right. There is good, you know, wonderful, you know, things that happen with people who are, who are single and many people are maybe, maybe called to that. But if you're single because of fear, if you're mm-hmm. single because you are, you know, you want to maintain your ignorance, they say ignorance is bliss. I say ignorance is ignorance, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and so it may appear as bliss, but that's going to be a short-term bliss because, you know, as I was, is cause I needed to grow, I, you, you know, you're going to wake up and long for connection and it won't mm-hmm. be there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, this is all a school Jade, you know, like mm-hmm. in a beautiful way, like we're, we're every, everything is an opportunity, um, to share and to learn, um, relationships are not for just our pleasure. They are mm-hmm. for they are for our evolution and, and evolving this, this thing called life. Yeah. So good. Um, so there's a few short questions that I end every show with. Um, I asked you them back in 2018. So we'll see if your answers have changed. Oh, geez. Uh, geez, I forgot about that. (laughs) So if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? Uh, if I could hug my younger self right now, um, I've got so many comedy answers. I've got to be. <laughs> Go ahead. No, that's not. Comedy no. Is our medicine. You have to know me. You have to know like what I was like as a freak. <laughs> um, I, I would just say it's, 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 you're in for a hell of a ride and it's going to be beautiful. Like, just enjoy it. Just you're in for a hell of a ride. Like, yeah. I think that's a little different than the last answer I gave you, but. Yeah. I'm so thankful I was on that ride with you or am on that ride with you. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully it'll still go for a bit. <laughs> we got some more Knott's Berry Farm in us. There's been times where it's like a gondola ride and then times where it's like a rattler ride. <laughs> Gosh, yeah. Lately, it's been a major roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. Like you're gonna die. Oh, no, you're yeah. actually gonna be okay. Yeah. Aside from trauma, this has been the hardest year of my life. So it's definitely been a rough ride lately. But um, I, you've taught me to look at the darkness and say thank you, even when I don't see the purpose. Um. Yeah, that's uh, that's the hardest one, but it's really true. Uh, um, what's the definition of Sufism? Uh, the feeling of joy when sudden disappointment comes. Like, hmm. I was not joyful when I got the news that I had an aneurysm and that I was going to have to go through this. And maybe, you know, if I was fortunate. But, I boy, I, I see the blessing in it already. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? I remember, I think I said uh, uh, the oak tree or something. The sunrise. Yeah, which is uh, the sun. The oak tree is the sunrise in, in different form. We're all the sunrise. 
That's a good answer. Let's stay with that. <laughs> if you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? You're loved. Mm. Your last answer was you already are, but. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's my tattoo, remember? If I was going to do that too, you're loved. I think that's simpler. Um, Mm -hmm. You already are. I always want a company now with, um, you know, you're also in process and be good with both of it, right? You're, you're, whatever the I am energy that is you is, right? You already are. You're like, there's, there's no need to like, like, I do believe that if that energy God, you know, that original cause exists, it's going to just like, yeah, yeah, I loved I loved it when when you, when you were young and, and didn't know those things. I loved it when you were this age and you were, you know, you were messing up. I loved it when you were, it's like, yeah, yeah. Like, that's what we're doing here. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're, we're here to, to, to experience this incredible space, time, infinite mesh of paradox. And your love through the whole thing. Mm. Thank you, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? Is there another question? Like what? Well, normally this is where I ask the guest. Once you had this one, hey man, what's your problem? Once you, <laughs> you you said that last time. Hey man, what's your problem? That's what you said. You would ask your younger self. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Um, I'm, I'm coming up with the same jokes, like. Two, two and a half years, three years later. Uh, well, they're still cracking me up. Um, normally here I ask, you know, where people can find you online, but you're not online. Um, you're on the, the inner net, as you say. Yeah, yeah the sunrise. They, that's where they'll find me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Tom. I've missed you so much. And I'm so thankful to get to spend this time with you, you know, as we would if the microphones weren't on. But yeah. Let me ask you this. So let me ask you uh, this question and you can cut it out if you want of your. No, ask, ask how many, this is my first episode. So ask as many questions as you want. Well, I want to know what, what, what your hope is with this podcast. I asked you a little bit of that before we Mm -hmm. started, but like, you know, a few years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, what is your hope personally? And then, you know, micro for yourself and then larger macro. Like, what do you, what do you hope? Yeah. So personally, as you know, because I've been doing, you know, the other one I did for years, I would do this for free because this lights me up. And I know based off of the messages I get that it lights other people up. And so I would do it for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, whatever, for free. Um, but I also want to make a living doing the thing that I would do for free. So, um, I would love to turn this podcast into along with the coaching program I offer people, um, when it comes to Imago and inner child work and calling in, you know, um, the one, uh, you know, all areas of that, I would like that to be my source of income. Um, and how I provide for my children. Um, I'd like to step away from the image-based career and do the the heart-based, the all heart-based career. I'm still going to be doing it, even if I'm doing it for free, but on a personal level, if I could make that career, it would be, it would be huge for me. Um, Also, um, I know that 
when I am speaking to people like you, to Charles Eisenstein, to Paul Selig, you know, JP Sears, whoever I have on the show, Don Miguel Ruiz, the, the female mystics and shamans that I have on, Heather Ashamara, um, when I'm able to speak with them for an hour, hour and a half, and we we meet in this place that feels like just the heart space. I feel healing for myself um, when it comes to all to all areas of worthiness, you know, and all areas of healing. It's a form of therapy for me. And I feel more enoughness and I feel more belonging, which again is why I chose, you know, Connie's song as the intro is because I want, that's what I want people to feel when they hear it. I want them to feel like they're in the conversation and that it applies to them and then I want the, it to walk for them, you know. Um, my goal with the last show and with this one is for people to feel less alone. Um, I want them to hear the vulnerability and the authenticity. And I was just seeing the breakdown of the word authenticity earlier of like you're being the author. No one else is of your message, of your truth, you know. Um so I want people to hear that and to also hear the openness and the I don't knows as answers and the um, the rawness and, and um, transparency around struggles and no longer feel like they have to have it all together or they have to have all the answers or um, that. Some, something has to be a certain way or it's wrong. Like you said, um, I want the earth to be a sense of freedom when people listen to this show, um, an expansion in their heart, um, less pressure. Um, and I want, I want to hold space for the guests as well. I know a lot of guests come on, um, and they've already said a lot of their answers on other shows. I want to hold a space where um, they're able to just be, you know, and, and we can just meet and then walk away as well, feeling some sort of healing and some sort of um, freedom and expansion. Well, you got that from me today. Mm. Uh, I, uh, I appreciate that you appreciate our relationship and that you have called me into a space that is sacred for you. And that, um, is a new doorway for you. Uh, and I can't wait for a few years from now when we're, we're doing the next iteration of your next Mm -hmm. conversation, uh, and to see where we're at and what, what, what we've spoken into, you know, what we were, what our hopes are, um, what our, what our desires are for, um, as we see our lives unfold, um, to see where, where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, um, hopefully I won't have to face another death mm-hmm. <laughs> experience. Um, and I think everything you're doing is really beautiful. All your, all your, you know, your hopes for this are really beautiful. And, and, um, yeah, yeah. Vulnerability is, is, is the key to all this that we're willing to be vulnerable with each other. Yeah. You know, um, you said the word, I don't know. I hopefully said it many times. Um, and that 
you know, thank God we're broken. Mm-hmm. You know, um, how else would anybody relate? Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I love that you said um, when people are trying to call in the one, you know, mm-hmm. people are trying to find the one. Mm-hmm. I saw it with a big O and not just a small O. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Well, I'll see you in three years. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel very, very passionate about working with people in calling in that one with the capital O, um, setting their relationship container and changing their relationship patterns um, through Imago and inner child work. And that's something that because I feel I have worked through myself that I do have some authority, um, you know, to work in, but it's something I feel very passionate about. Um, and you said death. I, I recently have been told a couple, a handful of times that like every form of death is like some sort of an an initiation. And I'm not sure if you feel that applies to you in your situation. I know in your first situation, for sure it did. Um, I know for me earlier in this year, it was, it was a, um, almost like a clearing of me using my voice. And then when I started to use my voice more, certain things fell away, um, that didn't, you know, weren't for the highest good. And then the ending of the previous podcast felt like a death. Um, and I know that that's also an initiation. So, um, so yeah. Well, well, yeah, I mean, you know, my scar, uh, I, I will spare you from seeing it. Um, <laughs> uh, it's right down the gut. It's right from the top of the sternum down below my belly button. I had to get mm-hmm. literally opened up. Wow. And that's why I think it's, 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 it's a call to more vulnerability. It's the most vulnerable part of an animal you know, that's, you know, a, a predator will go right after this part. You know, you, you get to, you, you get to have human prey if you open up the gut or up, up by the spine, the neck. So it is about vulnerability for me. And then I also noticed very practically that several of the young people that I am blessed to be in relationship with in Memphis have this exact same scar. Mm. I don't think that that's an accident. Uh, they, mm. you know, their shirt recently, one, one was in an accident because, you know, um, you got hit in a scooter and can't afford a car because of those resources and people drive kind of aggressively in Memphis. There's a lot of, you know, the, the energetic challenges that go into how we move in the city. And he got mm-hmm. hit. Same thing, hurt his spleen, like, and they had to go mm-hmm. take out. And then another friend was shot, a young man who I'm, I'm hopefully mentoring a bit. And he lifted his shirt. He's got exactly the same scar. Mm-hmm. And, and and I've found so much beauty in that, that, um, you know, mine didn't come that way the same way, but maybe it's just for me, it's just symbolic of, um, you know, being closer to people who I love and, uh, um, yeah. So yeah, well, all right, Jade, <laughs> I hope whether it's one or a million, uh, people that listen that you understand that it's having an effect Mm. and it's already had an effect on me. You allowed me to be, you know, someone who feels that they're valued by you valuing me and, um, and feels that at least for one person, my experience has made a difference. Yeah. Thank you, Tom. I love you so much. Love you too, Jade. Mm -hmm.
See you in three years, kidding. <laughs> I better see you sometime this year, hopefully. Things are starting to go back to normal. I'll talk to you, I'll talk to you later this week. Okay. okay. All right. Love you. Love you. Bye. Okay. Bye. All right, you guys, I am so overwhelmed with gratitude that Tom was my first guest on this new adventure and journey of mine. Like I said earlier, I'm going to be referencing him a lot. He is so, so, so dear to my heart. And uh, so I'm so thankful that you got to experience him with me and that you were able to hear in on his heart wisdom. My invite to you is to write out a conversation, a dialogue between your fear and your truth. What are your, your, your fear narratives and your truth narratives? If you get Tom's book, Life's Operating Manual, a large portion of the book is fear and truth talking to each other. So allow your fear and your truth to speak to each other on paper. This is uh, somewhat of what um, Carl Jung teaches as well when it comes to merging the conscious and the subconscious. But I want you to write out what your fear is saying and what your truth responds with. Because I promise you, your truth will win. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me. It would mean so much to me if you would leave a review or share an episode with a friend. Tom had so much heart wisdom and I would love for that to be spread. Also, because this is our first episode, it means a ton when it comes to hitting the subscribe button because that is what will get us featured on New and Noteworthy. That's a huge goal of mine so that I can further do what Tom and I talked about just a few moments ago. You can also join me on my Instagram page, Untamed and Unashamed Podcast. As always, be a light, stay open, and remember, you belong here. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.